You know, many people use dry January to take a hard reset on their relationship with alcohol, but it can be tough to pull off a, a full month of sobriety in a city with such a strong bar culture. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with food industry veteran and a recently sober bartender, Cliff Seminario. He's been the general manager of the legendary Pock Pock and has run the bar programs at both Jacqueline and Cooper's Hall. And last year, he founded a pop-up focused on alcohol-free dining experiences, Worry Not PDX. Currently putting things into cups, as he says, at Bar Casa Valle and Canard, Cliff is deeply rooted in Portland's zero-proof cocktail scene, and he's sharing expert tips to help us all thrive this dry January with a delicious drink in our hand. It's Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Did you hear that Oregon is like the 10th most hungover state in the U.S.? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) According to Bet Kentucky, which is a highly journalistic uh, betting website. (laughs) Okay, really? Uh, That that doesn't surprise me at all, considering uh, how much we drink in this state and how just, uh, I call it the Portland poor. They just, they pour a little bit heavier in this town. Right? Even like nice restaurants, when you get a, a glass of wine. It's you're just like okay, so that's two glasses, and that's yeah. I mean, thank you, but dang. <laughs> I work it's five ounces at both the places I work, but I've seen like six or seven at some. I mean, then gosh, if you go to a dive bar, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> they'll just give you the Boda box with a with a straw in it, and then you're good to go. Yeah, I'm. I've noticed that Portland is embracing, you know, zero proof or and low proof cocktails mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't seen since I've you know moved here right almost two decades ago. And yeah. also just the cultural embracement of of dry January and sober October. And now there are these like beverage festivals. Like, did you go to the booze free beverage festival last weekend? Did you hear about that? I heard about it. Yeah, I've heard about it at the uh, um over at John's Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've heard it was great. I did I wasn't able to attend, but yeah, you have these these big events. You have everybody getting into the market. The market's massive. I'm just curious what that's going to do to Portland culture. And I'm not saying that in like a, Mm -hmm. you know, crying like, oh, you know, it's changing, you know, our lifestyle. I'm really just, I'm sincerely curious, like, what is this zero proof, low proof wave going to do? Because as you know, Cliff, being a bartender, I feel like we're a drinking town. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's where we hang out with our friends. That's, right. you know, there's not many, mm-hmm. there's just not many things after dark to right. go to once you're done with work. It's dark at 2 p.m. You know, yeah. At this, you know. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. What, what do you foresee? Like, what what are you seeing as like alternative spaces? As far as alternative spaces, that's slow to come. You know, there are like uh, kava shops, different tea shops that are staying open later, you know, the dedicated space for non-alcoholic drinking is in its infant stages, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll have more of those as as time goes on um, because you have to. Uh, a lot of the, um, you know, Gen Z is not drinking so much anymore. Not everybody is, is not drinking so much anymore. You know, it's it's consumption is, is, is way, way down. So if these bars don't adopt non-alcoholic programs, uh, it's going to be their detriment. Yeah. And a lot of pretty highly regarded restaurants are doing that or making that transition or creating a a pretty spectacular zero proof menu like Susol, 
um, mm-hmm. or Eam, or yeah. um, which is like famously one of the founders, I think, is is a sober bartender as well, right? Correct. I believe, I believe so too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Kennard, for example, you know, Gabriel Rucker is, is uh, famously sober. Um, that's so great to see, to see that it's got a place on the menu that's not just a, if you want a mocktail, see your server kind of a thing. Yeah. So you decided to stop drinking in April of last year, but yes. you're a second generation bartender, yes. which by the way, that's like such a great lineage to be part of. It's like <laughs> blacksmiths, woodworkers, <Right>. bartenders. <laughs> bartenders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what made you want to do that as a bartender? It seems like a pretty rough road to follow to stay sober as a bartender. Definitely, definitely tough. Um, you know, there are quite a few of us out there in this industry, you know, you have this, you know, you're around alcohol all the time, but it became a time for me where it, it just wasn't part of my life plan anymore, you know, as I got older and it's just, I've been doing this a long time. So it's just gotten you know harder and harder to do that. And just wasn't enjoying myself. So I took the month of April off as a break to kind of reevaluate my relationship with alcohol. And about week three, I just loved how I felt, you know, not having a hangover is primo. And, uh, it just kind of just went from there, and I never intended to to stop completely. But uh, here I am, nine months later. So I'm curious, what's keeping you on track with all the temptation? I don't feel it, it's been very very easy for me. Um, I it's around me all the time, but I have never had the temptation to drink, even when I'm around all the alcohol. I've recognized it very very early on when I would have like a difficult guest interaction, and be like, oh, this is the point where I would normally take a shot. But uh, for me, it was pretty easy. I told myself I could have alcohol or I could have everything else. So that decision in my mind made it easy for me to keep on track. And it's been, that's been very, very, the, the not drinking part has actually been the, the easiest part of this journey. Wow. I really liked what you just said. I could either have alcohol or everything else. Yeah. Something you said also hits with me. So I tried to do Sober October and mm-hmm. the two big things that I hit were my, my neighborhood. It's just uh-huh. so hard to find a third space that isn't alcohol related. Yes, totally. Um, even though there are non-alcoholic options, it was pretty easy for me to switch out. It was still just like a lot, you know? Yeah, and totally. then uh, two, pretty much what you said, it does become a bit of a de-stressor or mm-hmm. a crutch for, you know, I'm feeling a little tense. Yep, so. Yep. What do you do then if you're like, okay, let's just say you just, you know, handle the most annoying customer. Right. And you and this is the first week that you stopped drinking. You normally would go for a shot. What did you do? Just reframe, take a couple of deep breaths. Um, you know, knew, know that like that that little instant gratification of alcohol, you know, wasn't worth what's everything is going to come afterward. So for me, it was just, it's really just changing your habits and changing what your your normal reactions are and just kind of taking a stop, recognizing what you're feeling, and then kind of parlaying that into something else, whatever whatever it, it, ha- it happens to be, but not taking that that easy out, that instant dopamine hit of taking a shot or what have you. Um, and being really kind to yourself, being kind and patience is the biggest thing for me with this. It just, just I still tell myself, good job every night before I go to bed. I go, good job, buddy. <laughs> and I Aww. go to sleep. Yeah. It is. It just, you, you really have to be kind to yourself. You know, I, I always, I start to think like the way that I speak to my friends when I'm supporting them, I have to do that, uh, internally as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are taking that sober journey, mm-hmm. uh, this month because of dry January. Yeah. It seems like such an American tradition, mm-hmm. which probably says something about our culture. Uh, sure. any other tips that you would give 
people who are taking this challenge on? Yeah, Dry January is uh, an interesting challenge. Uh, I don't think anybody is supposed to start anything new in January. It's the winter. It's garbage, this <laughs> Gregorian calendar that we're on. But that's another issue. But um, again, being patient, being kind. And then, you know, if you do have a slip up, let's say, for example, you, you have a slip up and you have a drink, your, your dry January doesn't have to end there. You can, re, you can restart and be nice to yourself. And for a lot of folks, this, this month's about harm reduction. So, you know, t- take it with that. It doesn't have to be so like 100% or zero. Um, find a buddy. That's really great. Find somebody you want to do it with. You can hold each other accountable. That's amazing. Um, for me, I, had, I found that I had so much more free time when I stopped drinking you know, because I spent a lot of time drinking, spent a lot of time hungover. So mm-hmm. finding some sort of activity is wonderful, whether it's just as simple as doing your dishes or going to the gym, what have you. Just find something to, f- to fill that time and start making new habits. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about your pop-up, Worry Not PDX. What's going on with it? When did it start? Like, Was this something that you decided to do after you went sober or was this an idea you had before? I had a, a inkling of an idea before, but it really started to hit when I got sober. I took a trip down to back home to LA and I was hanging out at the beach and I went to this uh, place called The New Bar, which is a uh, non-alcoholic bottle shop in Venice Beach, California. And it kind of gave me some inspiration. So I came back uh, here and thought that, you know, I want to do something with my time. I want to do something with my my creativity. And I thought to myself that uh, just a cocktail pop-up by itself, uh, I don't particularly enjoy those. Um, so I wanted to have some sort of food component. So I was able to work with some great chefs in town to create food, to create this awesome ex- experience and environment that would uh, facilitate these these uh, non-alcoholic cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we return, how to make a good zero proof cocktail. So what what makes a good mocktail? For me, so I, I it's kind of an esoteric answer, but intention makes great a, a great mocktail. Gosh, I can't believe I said mocktail because I honestly hate that phrase. Okay, tell uh, me what, what <laughs> phrase do you prefer? Because mocktail, oh, is it because it's like mocking a cocktail? Yeah, it's mocking a cocktail. I I like I like zero proof cocktail. Okay, I would love to see it get to a point to where cocktail is a, is a word that means whether you're doing. Zero proof, low proof, or no proof. It's just a kind of all-inclusive word. I will say, Cliff, Yeah. mocktail, uh-huh. zero proof cocktail. Do you see how many? Yeah, for sure. I yeah, think yeah. you need to find something as easy yeah, yeah. as okay. mocktail. But I get what you're saying. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to workshop that for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, when I see great cocktails at bars, it's, it's they're made with intention. They're not just making a juice bomb or throwing whatever syrups and juices we have in the bar. You know, we're making shrubs or making a particular syrup or using a lot of these great products that are out there. Wilderton is a wonderful example. They're out here in Hood River. They're mm. the first non-alcoholic distillery in the country. They do a non-alcoholic distillate. They do a couple different varieties of that. Um, so we're able to start playing with these products like we're playing with other uh, foolproof alcohols um, and using similar builds that we would do in a quote-unquote normal cocktail. So if I were to make something at home, it's really simple. You do want some sort of sweet agent, you want some sort of acidic agent, and you want some sort of bittering agent. Usually alcohol is that some is that bittering agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can use these non-alcoholic distillates. We have there's a wonderful non-alcoholic bitters out there now. Uh, one company is All the Bitters out in California. 
Um, they have a number of, of great non-alcoholic bitters. And putting that together into something palatable is fairly easy. That's where I would start. It's just a lot of playing around, to be honest. You know, uh, less on the sweet, more on the sour for me. Um, but uh, there's so many options now at your fingertips to be able to to make great cocktails. Yeah. Could you give us an example of like an easy, hey, you can make this tonight cocktail? Absolutely. Just get yourself. So, you know, pick your citrus. I tend to use uh, lemon over lime. Juice some fresh citrus. Fresh juice is is, is key. Uh, make yourself a real basic, simple syrup. Um, two to one or one to one. You're just basically melting water and, and syrup together to sweeten it up. So I would use half ounce of that ounce of the lemon juice, and then pick an ounce and a half of your favorite non-alcoholic spirit, whether it's Wilderton or something else. The Pathfinder is another great one out there. Um, put it into a cocktail shaker if you have it. If you don't have a cocktail shaker, pretty much anything will do. I recommend people use a jar, you know, as long as you got a lid, the ice, your liquid, shake it, shake it, put that into a glass, um, you're going to come up with something delicious. Nice. Is that one of your favorite or go-to non-alcoholic spirits wilderton wilderton is is my is my currently current go-to their bittersweet aperitivo which is kind of close to campari is probably my favorite Mm. product that they have yeah and that's such a great flavor to have when you're making any cocktails because there's that bittering agent right and i think one other thing to keep in mind is when you're using stuff like this um you know we're not trying to make it taste like an alcoholic beverage we're trying to make it taste good so focusing less on, you know, oh, this doesn't taste like a daiquiri. This doesn't taste like a margarita. It's not supposed to. It's its own flavor. But trying to find balance between your bitter, your sweet, and your acid is important. Right. What are some good spots in Portland that you think are accomplishing this? Uh, I am biased. I would say Canard and Bar Casa Valley have some great NA programs. Uh, Voicey, which is the bar underneath Loyal Legion, uh, does an amazing job. I've had great, great NA cocktails there. Um, the rum club, of course, as I had a great NA toddy there the other day. So it was kind of cool. Nice. Uh, sit outside in the cold and drink NA toddy. That was, that was nice. It's so great that you can pretty much go almost anywhere and get something decent, whether it's a cocktail off the menu or an NA beer, the options are out there. Yeah. I feel like Portland was one of the first cities in America that just fully embraced vegan cooking in a yeah. way that you can't right. really find elsewhere. And I'm just seeing this with the zero proof cocktails as well. I'm just like, oh, we're going to become a haven for. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sober cocktail drinkers, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the same thing. This, this felt to me like when you started to see years ago, like, oh, this is the one vegan item on the menu. Right. And now you could walk down the street and hit 10 spots where I can have something vegan or something gluten-free what have you, you know, these options are out there. So we're starting to see that now with the, with the, with non-alcoholic cocktails and non-alcoholic beverages in general, which is great. I think I, I 100% agree. This is, Portland's really taken to this very quickly, very well. Yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't bring you on here to, to break down scientifically, yeah. <laughs> you know, certain things, but I'm yeah. curious, like, what is a, dis- like a non-alcoholic distilled, I mean, you don't call it a liquor, right? You just call it I like to call it a distillate. I think they use the word distillate or uh, distillate. or spirit. Yeah. So uh, distillation isn't isn't unique to alcohol. You know, distillation mm-hmm. is used in essential oils. It's used in perfumes. Um, so basically, what you're taking is you're taking from from my understanding, you're taking a bunch of, uh, of different herbs and uh, and macerating them in water and then distilling it down from there. So distilling, you're just basically condensing the flavor. 
right? right? And you're, you're evaporating something out and condensing the flavor. So from what I understand, that's how that product is made. And there's a number of different products made in different ways. Uh, there is, for example, you have, you have Diageo, which is one of the biggest liquor companies in the world, if not the biggest liquor company in the world. They're getting into the NA game and they're releasing, for example, they do Tanqueray, they do Captain Morgan Spice Rum, and they have these zero-proof versions of that. And that's done by basically distilling your foolproof beverage and then de-alcoholizing the product. So very strong herbal water. It, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like tea in a sense. It's exactly like tea or, you know, it's like these, I don't want to, gosh, I don't want to use the word snake oil salesman, but I am. But like, you know, the old timey people with the cart and the coming around, like, here's our new, new, our medicines and yeah. our tonics. It's kind of like that, you know, and that's ah. how a lot of liquors started too, is they they would take these herbal macerated teas and like, okay, how do I make this so it doesn't spoil? We add alcohol. And then now we have, you know, things like Fernet and so forth. And our cocaine. Yeah, right. totally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wonder why everybody likes this product. <laughs> I'll <laughs> take a whole case. Yeah. And why, <laughs> why does everybody want to write a movie script suddenly? <laughs> Check this out, guys. Gremlins 3. <laughs> Sold. Well, Cliff, thank you so much for, you know, spending your morning with me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is something that I've been really interested in for basically since October, I'll be yeah. honest. So I yeah. was just curious, like, okay, what else, you know, what else is out there? There's so, there's so many places. Uh, every place I go into usually has something on the menu, which is great. It's amazing to see people embrace. And, co and bartenders are, even bartenders that still drink are, are stoked on making NA cocktails. You know, they're trying to play around with new stuff, so... Mm -hmm. Anywhere you go, it's it's starting to be that way, and then I can't wait to see what it what it changes into in the next you know five ten years. And now for your microdose of news, self-described no drama introvert, City Commissioner Carmen Rubio is joining our mayoral race. Now Rubio has years of experience at City Hall, working for former Mayor Tom Potter and then the late City Commissioner Nick Fish. She's also served as executive director of the nonprofit Latino Network. Rubio will face two of her city council colleagues, Commissioners Renee Gonzalez and Mingus Maps. She says her efforts on regulatory relief for developing housing are among her biggest accomplishments. But I think she's also managed to stay out of the spotlight in a good way, if you know what I mean. And Willamette Week reports that a national study shows Oregon's tax system is more progressive than most states, but still favors high earners. So Oregon doesn't have a sales tax, but the lowest earners in Oregon pay about 1.5% more of their income in taxes than the highest earners. And it's also been widely reported that Multnomah County residents have the second highest personal income tax rate in the country. So how progressive is our tax system? For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend, rate or leave us a review. It really does help us out. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.